0: Chapter 40 of Malcolm by George MacDonald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Devora Allen. Chapter 40 The Dale's Winnock. Florimel was disappointed, for she longed to hear Malcolm's tale. But amid such surroundings it was not so very difficult to wait. They set out to have a peep at the ruins and choose a place for luncheon from the point where they stood looking seawards the ground sunk to the narrow isthmus supposed by malcolm to fill a cleft formerly crossed by a drawbridge and beyond it rose again to the grassy mounds in which lay so many of the old bones of the ruined carcass passing along the isthmus where on one side was a steep descent to the shore of the little bay and on the other the live rock hewn away to a wall shining and sparkling with crystals of a clear irony brown they next clambered up a rude ascent of solid rock, and so reached what had been the centre of the seaward portion of the castle. Here they came suddenly upon a small hole at their feet, going right down. Florimel knelt, and peeping in saw the remains of a small spiral stair. The opening seemed large enough to let her through, and gathering her garments tight about her, she was half-way buried in the earth before her father, whose attention had been drawn elsewhere, saw what she was about. He thought she had fallen in, but her merry laugh reassured him, and ere he could reach her she had screwed herself out of sight. He followed her in some anxiety, but after a short descent rejoined her in a small vaulted chamber, where she stood looking from the little square window Malcolm had pointed out to them as they neared the shore. The bare walls around them were of brown stone, wet with the drip of rains, and full of holes where the mortar had yielded and stones had fallen out. Indeed, the mortar had all but vanished. The walls stood, and the vaults hung, chiefly by their own weight. By breaches in the walls, where once might have been doors, Florimel passed from one chamber to another and another, each dark, brown, vaulted, damp, and weather-eaten while her father stood at the little window she had left, listlessly watching the two men on the beach far below landing the lunch, and the rippled sea, and the cutter rising and falling with every wave of the flowing tide. At length Florimel found herself on the upper end of a steep sloping ridge of hard, smooth earth, lying along the side of one chamber, and leading across to yet another beyond, which, unlike the rest, was full of light— THE PASSION OF EXPLORATION BEING BY THIS TIME THOROUGHLY ROUSED IN HER, SHE DESCENDED THE slope, HALF SLIDING, HALF CREEPING. WHEN SHE THUS REACHED THE HOLE INTO THE BRIGHT CHAMBER, SHE ALMOST SICKENED WITH HORROR, FOR THE slope WENT OFF STEEPER, TILL IT RUSHED, AS IT WERE, OUT OF A HUGE GAP IN THE WALL OF THE CASTLE, LAYING BARE THE VOID OF SPACE, AND THE GLEAM OF THE SEA AT A FRIGHTFUL DEPTH BELOW. IF SHE HAD GONE ONE FOOT FURTHER, she could not have saved herself from sliding out of the gap. It was the very breach Malcolm had pointed out to them from below, and concerning which he had promised them the terrible tale. She gave a shriek of terror, and laid hold of the broken wall. To heighten her dismay to the limit of mortal endurance, she found at the very first effort, partly, no doubt, from the paralysis of fear, that it was impossible to reascend, and there she lay on the verge of the steeper slope her head and shoulders in the inner of the two chambers, and the rest of her body in the outer, with the hideous vacancy staring at her. In a few moments it had fascinated her, so that she dared not close her eyes, lest it should leap upon her. The wonder was that she did not lose her consciousness and fall at once to the bottom of the cliff. Her cry brought her father in terror to the top of the slope. "'Are you hurt, child?' he cried, not seeing the danger she was in. "'It's so steep. I can't get up again,' she said faintly. "'I'll soon get you up,' he returned cheerily, and began to descend. "'Oh, Papa,' she cried, "'don't come a step nearer. If you should slip, we should go to the bottom of the rock together. Indeed, indeed there is great danger. Do run for Malcolm.' Thoroughly alarmed, yet mastering the signs of his fear, he enjoined her to keep perfectly still while he was gone, and hurried to the little window. Thence he shouted to the men below, but in vain, for the wind prevented his voice from reaching them. He rushed from the vaults, and began to descend at the first practicable spot he could find, shouting as he went. The sound of his voice cheered Florimel a little, as she lay forsaken in her misery. Her whole effort now was to keep herself from fainting, and for this end to abstract her mind from the terrors of her situation— IN THIS SHE WAS AIDED BY A NEW SHOCK, WHICH, HAD HER POSITION BEEN A LESS CRITICAL ONE, WOULD ITSELF HAVE CAUSED HER A DEADLY DISMAY. A CURIOUS LITTLE SOUND CAME TO HER, APPARENTLY FROM SOMEWHERE IN THE DUSKY CHAMBER IN WHICH HER HEAD LAY. SHE FANCIED IT MADE BY SOME LITTLE ANIMAL, AND THOUGHT OF THE WILD CATS AND OTTERS OF WHICH MALCOLM HAD SPOKEN AS HAUNTING THE CAVES. BUT WHILE THE NEW FEAR MITIGATED THE FORMER, THE GREATER FEAR SUBDUED THE LESS. IT CAME A LITTLE LOUDER, THEN AGAIN A LITTLE LOUDER, GROWING LIKE A HURRIED WHISPER, BUT WITHOUT SEEMING TO APPROACH HER. LOUDER STILL IT GREW, AND YET WAS BUT AN INARTICULATE WHISPERING. THEN IT BEGAN TO DIVIDE INTO SOME RESEMBLANCE OF ARTICULATE SOUNDS. PRESENTLY, TO HER UTTER ASTONISHMENT, SHE HEARD HERSELF CALLED BY NAME. LADY FLORIMEL, LADY FLORIMEL, SAID THE SOUND PLAINLY ENOUGH who's there she faltered with her heart in her throat hardly knowing whether she spoke or not there's nobody here answered the voice i'm in my own bedroom at home where your dog killed mine it was the voice of mrs catenaw but both words and tone were almost english anger and the sense of a human presence although an evil one restored lady Florimel's speech "'How dare you talk such nonsense?' she said. "'Don't anger me again,' returned the voice. "'I tell you the truth. "'I'm sorry I spoke to your ladyship as I did this morning. "'It was the sight of my poor dog that drove me mad. "'I couldn't help it. "'I tried to keep mine off him, as you know. "'I do know it, my lady, and that's why I beg your pardon. "'Then there's nothing more to be said. "'Yes, there is, my lady.' "'I want to make you some amends. "'I know more than most people, "'and I know a secret that some would give their ears for. "'Will you trust me?' "'I will hear what you've got to say.' "'Well, I don't care whether you believe me or not. "'I shall tell you nothing but the truth. "'What do you think of Malcolm MacPhail, my lady?' "'What do you mean by asking me such a question?' "'Only to tell you that by birth he is a gentleman.' and comes of an old family. But why do you tell me, said Florimel? What have I to do with it? Nothing, my lady, or himself either. I hold the handle of the business. But you needn't think it's from any favor for him. I don't care what comes of him. There's no love lost between him and me. You heard yourself this very day how he abused both me and my poor dog who is now lying dead on the bed beside me. "'You don't expect me to believe such nonsense as that,' said Lady Florimel. There was no reply. The voice had departed, and the terrors of her position returned with gathered force in the desolation of redoubled silence that closes around an unanswered question. A trembling seized her, and she could hardly persuade herself that she was not slipping by slow inches down the incline. Minutes that seemed hours passed. At length she heard feet and voices, and presently her father called her name. But she was too agitated to reply except with a moan. A voice she was yet more glad to hear followed. The voice of Malcolm, ringing confident and clear. "'Hold away, my lord,' it said, and let me come at her. "'You're not going down so,' said the Marquis angrily. "'You'll slip to a certainty and send her to the bottom.' "'My lord,' returned Malcolm, "'I ken what I'm about.' And ye dunna, "'I beg it ye'll hold out by, "'and not upset the lassie, "'for something mun depend upon herself. "'Just gang away back into that either vault, my lord. "'I insist upon it.' "'His lordship obeyed, "'and Malcolm, who had been pulling off his boots as he spoke, "'now addressed Mare. "'Here, Peter,' he said, "'hold on to the tail of that rope like grim death. "'Nah, I do not want it round me. "'It's to gang round her. "'But dinna ye haul, for it might hurt her.' "'and she lippin' to me and come up her herself. "'Dinna be feared, my bonny lady. "'There's no danger, not one grain. "'I'm comin.' "'With the rope in his hand, he walked down the incline, "'and kneeling by Florimel, close to the broken wall, "'proceeded to pass the rope under and round her waist, "'talking to her, as he did so, "'in the tone of one encouraging a child. "'No, my lady, now my bonny lady. "'One minute.' "'and ye're as safe as gin ye lay in your minnie's lap.' "'I daren't get up, Malcolm. "'I daren't turn my back to it. "'I shall drop right down into it if I do,' she faltered, beginning to sob. "'Na no fear o' that. "'There, ye canna fall, no, for Blue Peter has the other end, "'and Peter's as strong as two ponies. "'I'm goin' to take off your shoe next.' So saying, he lowered himself a little through the breach, holding on by the broken wall with one hand, while he gently removed her sandal shoes with the other. Drawing himself up again, he rose to his feet, and taking her hand, said, "'No, my lady, take a good grip o' my hand, and as I lift ye, give a scramble wi' your two-bit feet, and as soon as ye find them beneath ye, just gang up as gin ye were climbing a gay stain brae rather steep ascent. Ye couldna a fall gin ye you tried your worst.' At the grasp of his strong hand, the girl felt a great gush of confidence rise in her heart. She did exactly as he told her, scrambled to her feet, and walked up the slippery way without one slide, holding fast by Malcolm's hand, while Joseph kept just feeling her waist with the loop of the rope as he drew it in. When she reached the top, she fell almost fainting into her father's arms, but was recalled to herself by an exclamation from Blue Peter. Just as Malcolm relinquished her hand, his foot slipped. But he slid down to the side of the mound only, some six or seven feet to the bottom of the chamber, whence his voice came cheerily, saying he would be with them in a moment. When, however, ascending by another way he rejoined them, they were shocked to see blood pouring from his foot. He had lighted amongst broken glass, and had felt a sting, but only now was aware that the cut was a serious one. He made little of it, however, bound it up, and as the Marquis would not now hear of bringing the luncheon to the top, having, he said, had more than enough of the place, limped painfully after them down to the shore. Knowing whither they were bound, and even better acquainted with the place than Malcolm herself, Mrs. Cattena, the moment she had drawn down her blinds in mourning for her dog, had put her breakfast in her pocket, and set out from her back door, contriving mischief on her way. Arrived at the castle, she waited a long time before they made their appearance— but was rewarded for her patience, as she said to herself, by the luck which had so wonderfully seconded her cunning. From a broken loophole in the foundation of a round tower she now watched them go down the hill. The moment they were out of sight she crept like a fox from his earth, and having actually crawled beyond danger of discovery, hurried away inland to reach Port Lossie by footpaths and byways, and there show herself on her own doorstep. THE WOMAN'S CONSUMING AMBITION WAS TO POSSESS POWER OVER OTHERS, POWER TO HURT THEM IF SHE CHOSE, POWER TO PULL HIDDEN STRINGS fastened to THEIR HEARTS OR CONSCIENCES, OR HISTORY OR FOIBLES OR CRIMES, AND SO REDUCE THEM IN HER KNOWLEDGE, IF NOT IN THEIRS, TO THE CONDITION OF BEING, MORE OR LESS, HER SLAVES. HENCE SHE POUNCED UPON A SECRET AS ONE WOULD ON A DIAMOND IN THE DUST. ANY FACT EVEN WAS PRECIOUS, FOR IT MIGHT BE ALLIED TO SOME SECRET might, in combination with other facts, become potent. How far this vice may have had its origin in the fact that she had secrets of her own, might be an interesting question. As to the mysterious communication she had made to her, Lady Florimel was not able to turn her mind to it, nor indeed for some time was she able to think of anything. End of chapter 40